I'm Alex Del Sur. I'm Alex Del Sur. I'm Alex Del Sur. And we have, we have just Eddie. It's Kevin Sauer. Needed to France. Eric Murray. It's Mahi Drysdale. It is Sir Matthew Vincent. Thank you for being here. I'm Alex Del Sur, Growers Choice. And this is another round of podcasts. And listen, I, you, I know some of you guys listen to this. I know that some of you watch this. And you see the name. You already know who I'm going to be talking to. It's Carrie Hughes, the head coach of Washington College. And what's so special about this one is that she's been in the industry a long time, not to put her on the spot, but she's been on the national team. She's traveled around the world. She's coached all over. She's done all these things. And her story is going to be incredible. Carrie, thanks for doing this. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, I'm thrilled. Now, this is number 97. And you said earlier before we started, that was a lucky year for you. That was a lucky year. But we're, we're starting before that, I believe. And I want to know, <laughs> well before that. Well before. Know, how old were you and where were you when you took that first stroke? Uh, I must have been 18. Mm -hmm. I was a freshman in college and um, just, you know, decided decided to go... Uh, and try something new. I had been that high school athlete who I always say probably won the, you know, most hustle, most spirit award, but um, I sat the bench on pretty much everything. I, I didn't have a whole lot of understanding of how my body moved or how to get it to move the way the others did. Uh, but I loved being on a team. I loved working hard and uh, it was before the internet. So I don't even know how I found out about rowing, but I had heard that it was a sport that you didn't need any prior experience. And uh, it was good for people who like to work hard. So, and, okay. So, but you're 18, where did you go to college? I started out at Stanford. Um, and uh, so, and that was before, you know, it was a club team. I mean, uh, yeah. before uh, everything happened with NCAA. Uh, so it was a, uh, you know, same kind of thing, probably everybody experiences a big, big academic um, classroom that you showed up for the interest meeting. Uh, they asked everybody who had rode before to raise their hand. I don't think I ever saw those people again. They took them out of the room and uh, we just, uh, you know, looking back on it, I think they just, they just worked us out on land until we either quit or finally got a chance to go sit in a boat. Um, all right, so and, you got you to gotta tell us, you got to tell the audience, well, what year was this? That was 1986. 1986. I was but one year old lad. Uh, <laughs> not to put you on the spot again. Nope. 1986. Rowing was so different in 1986 than it is today. I mean, drastically different. The equipment, coaching yep. styles, everything. Can you remember, one, who was your uh, first coach, like, in the sport? Do you, do you oh, remember the Of course. Game? Right. No. Yeah. Charlotte Hollings. Um, you know, it was, it was so interesting again, pre-internet days. Uh, so I knew I was going to Stanford uh, and I wrote a letter to Wendy Davis, who was the, the novice coach at that point, John, uh, her husband, John was the varsity coach. And I think I just wrote her probably a very simple, like, this is who I am. This is what I'm interested in. You know, I don't even remember what I wrote and I could kick myself for not keeping her letter that she hand wrote back to me, but it was a full page, uh, you know, just kind of introducing me to the sport, welcoming me to, you know, try it. And I will always remember the, the ending part. She said, and don't forget uh, the most uh, important words in rowing way enough. And I was way enough, like, 
is there a weight minimum that you have <laughs> right I was like so I didn't yeah I didn't know um but she I think it was maybe her first baby she had had previous so she took the year off and uh Charlotte walked in and um I remember she put probably a four in this little swimming pool uh you know tied it one end to the other this it was Stanford everything was outdoors so we're outdoors uh and um you know learning to row in a swimming pool from this amazing person I mean Charlotte you know obviously anybody knows her you know she has so much energy so much passion for the sport and I think she had just graduated from Virginia maybe just come off a national team experience um you know I was totally in awe of her so you, you you take this you take this stroke you, you you stick it out you don't you don't quit right you you, you oh no I do oh you do quit. I actually do quit I do quit I do quit spoiler um, alert all right yeah right well again I'm from Iowa originally and I think when I packed for college I thought Stanford uh California warm uh, I packed a lot of lot of clothes for warmth and uh, you know uh, Stanford's on the quarter system so we didn't even start school until September something and so I think by the time I made it onto the water it was October and I had never been so cold you know I was I think shorts and a t-shirt and it's so cold and uh, I did it for a while but then uh you know just kind of the natural i don't say normal freshman experience but i got really wigged out about grades about money and came back from thanksgiving break and i remember thinking i've got to get a job i i can't do this anymore i was a computer science major and i was trying to debug programs on those that big green and white paper and this little white rickety bus that they would take us back and forth to the quonset hut and uh I remember I called I called Charlotte and I explained it to her and she was so understanding. You know, she just said, totally understand it. Good luck in all that you do. Uh, which really made it kind of full circle, not to jump too far ahead, but uh when uh we won the the national team trials back in 97, uh Charlotte was in the uh the safety launch uh that came over to check on us to to see if we were okay. And like between breaths, I was like thanking her for teaching me how to row. Um, and then, but I also think the way she let me leave kept that really open for me mm. to go back and find it. So let me ask you this, uh, uh, you know, first major topic here, we're talking about, you know, you're a coach, you, you've, 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 you are in her shoes, right? You were, you're in her shoes, what she was doing in 1986, uh, 87. What advice do you have for the athlete that was like you on the verge of quitting, kind of like struggling a little bit with money and grades, but then also what advice do you have for the coach that, you know, is, is having that conversation with the athlete? Would, how would yeah. you relive that? Walk me through that. I think I relive it a lot to tell you the truth. Um, I think I'm always looking at an, looking at athletes thinking there's, there could be a Carrie Hogan, uh, who I was back then, um, you know, who, might just be a really late bloomer or might, you know, just have a lot of obstacles in the way and just remembering, you know, gosh, how many years ago must that have been like 30, 40, I, I yeah, can't ever 30, count. 35, 35 years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's so powerful. I can, you know, I mean, I can see myself standing in my dorm room, having that conversation on the, on the telephone um, and the sense of relief that I had when, I was met with such kindness when I thought it was going to be a much different conversation. Uh, and so I have those conversations, you know, especially, 
right now at Washington College, you know, we're a small division three uh, school. We do a lot with walk-ons. So, you know, these, these kids, and they really are kids to me, uh, even though they are young adults, uh, you know, they come in a lot of times just trying to find some place to land or find themselves. And, um, you know, when, when they, they come in and we have that conversation, you know, we certainly, it's a, it's a conversation to kind of find out where they are and what's going on, but it, it's really to offer a lot of support as well. And, you know, the door is always open and, you know, I've had, I've had athletes leave freshman year. And um, I think the last one I can remember, she came back as a junior uh, and came back to the sport and ended up in the second varsity at the NCAAs last year. So, you know, there's so much value, I think, in using our position as, as coaches uh, to really help help young people find their way in, in that time of like so much growth and change that's happening to them. I mean, this is, uh, this, it's so funny, like this 1986 moment, this moment of talking to Charlotte was such, made such an impact on you that you carried it your entire rowing career, you know, your entire coaching career. I mean, it, I, I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of coaches and uh, I know a lot of people not to put not to put them on the spot, but like once you quit, you're quit, you're gone. See, ya. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people that close that door and say goodbye. You're not coming back anymore. Um, that's 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 a really it's a really powerful moment. Yeah, and I think you know when people are able to really find it on their own terms, they're not doing it for anybody else. Um, if you if you give them that that freedom to come back to it. Uh, I think then, you know, you, you really get a changed person as well. So, um, because they, they tend to come in full force with How that. nervous were you when you, when you made that call? Like as you're dialing, oh. how nervous, like pacing, right? Oh, you know, terrible. And I, and I was, you know, I was so stressed out at that point, you know, I was at Stanford. I, I had that whole imposter syndrome. I, uh, you know, I, I was really far from home. And again, you know, there was, I mean, there was the telephone, but, you know, my mom had told me that I couldn't call home as much as I was doing because, you know, it cost money at that point. Yeah. It was long distance and, yeah. and, you know, you had to call home and, you know, people, I will say people in Iowa, at least the part that I was from, when we went off to college, we went to the, the, the three state schools. That was, that was pretty much it. And, uh, you know, so to go as far as I did, um, you know, I was kind of the only one that I knew. And so it was just such a struggle just to, to kind of keep my own balance. Uh, and rowing just, it, it just threw me off balance even more. And uh, yeah, it, and then, you know, when I refound it again, I, I had actually transferred over uh, to the Naval Academy and um, I had stayed away from it because I remembered how cold it was and uh, didn't want to do it. And then uh, I had broken a toe right beginning of academic year gained a lot of weight because I couldn't do anything and uh, went to what I knew and I just wandered down to the boathouse and again it was probably October and asked if I could join up and uh, at the coach at that time uh, Liz Lambert had kind of done the same thing I did she had started out at Stanford but ended up at Wisconsin uh, so she sure you know and uh stuck me right in the stroke seat which was really unnerving because i didn't remember anything <laughs> at all and the coxswain looked at me and she said oh thank goodness finally somebody who knows what they're doing 
And you're like, uh oh. She, yeah, she quickly <laughs> she quickly realized how wrong she was when when we were trying to get off the dock. She said, "Can you give me some backing strokes?" And I just looked at her like, "What?" So. Yeah, I, I know one thing. I know way enough. That's what I remember. I That's all I remember. I know, <laughs> and and yeah, and that I always remembered how to stop. Always. Um, okay, so for the people that don't know this, uh, the Severn River is a terrible place to row in like October, November, and it's even worse in like March. Like it's I was going to say, I don't even know. I mean, I think in the in January, the beginning of January, it's nice, but it's too cold. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's about the only time that I know the Severn is being a, a good place to grow. I mean, I love the Severn. I, I know all those different parts, uh, you know, how we meter them out as as rowers. And when you go under the Route 50 bridge, I'm like, okay, I, I will make it to the end. I will be able to get to the boathouse. Uh, but yeah, I took I took my uh, Washington College rowers there a few years ago. We, we did a head race with Navy. And uh, my assistant coaches all had done Navy camp with us uh, when I was at Navy. And, and so... The fact that we were able to get the race off in October, I mean, we were all so excited and all the coaches and one of my athletes said to me, she said, coach, why do you guys keep talking about this water being good? Like for, <laughs> for the Washington college kids, it was yeah. terrific water. We're like, oh, you don't, you don't even know what it could be. So. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I, I mean, I live, that's where I live. I live, I live right there. Um, all right. So you go to the Naval Academy. Uh, I'm guessing you transferred, was that your sophomore year that you jumped in or junior year that you transferred? Uh, so yeah, I did one year at Stanford, uh, and then, and then jumped in and then they, Navy just starts everybody out. <laughs> Doesn't matter. You know, I, I went to school with, uh, gosh, one of the, the women I graduated with, she had done three years at GW, uh, oh, and wow. just go straight back, straight right back. back. Yeah. She was so, interesting. So you're right back in it. Um, uh, so what happens in your rowing career at that point? I mean, this is like late eighties, you know, 88, you're, 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 you're a plebe at the Naval Academy. Yep. You're, uh, you're this young, this young woman and, and athlete and, and, you know, military. So what do you do? What happens in those couple of years? Uh, you know, I, I find a home at the boathouse that I think a lot of plebes do and uh, made the best friends of my life uh, on that team. Uh, even going back to the pandemic, it was interesting when everything shut down, we just started Zooming. And then every Sunday afternoon, uh, four or five of us would get together. Uh, and it's, it's kind of what we tell our athletes now. It's like, it doesn't matter how many years go by. You, you go straight back to, to kind of being in the boat together. And, uh, you know, and it, and it was a wonderful place to row. It was, uh, you know, again, the academy is such an interesting place to begin with. Um, but all those things that kept me away from rowing, right? Uh, having to spend time not studying, everybody does that at Navy. So, so they put you on equal footing there and they pay you just a little bit of money and they don't charge you anything. So uh, I didn't need a job. And so it, I, I think having that year at Stanford, I so appreciated all those things that Navy gave me. Whereas I think sometimes uh, just walking into it from high school, you can see a lot of the things that Navy is being, you know, um, more of a detriment. Uh, but I, 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 I really felt like I, mean, I didn't even have to do my own laundry. You know, you just set it out in a laundry bag and they did it for you. I mean, granted, you didn't, you're just all wearing the same uniform, but I didn't have to wash it. And uh, so I, I really felt I was given a lot of freedom to really explore this, this thing that became a passion. It didn't start out as a passion. It started out as an escape. Um, 
but it, it really did become a passion, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I can't wait to like, you know, you're a computer science major, go to the Naval Academy. Uh, I can't wait to understand how you got to coaching full time because you can't, you can't major in coaching, right? So, <laughs> all right, so you graduate, I'm guessing, 91, 92 yep. from the Naval Academy? 91. 91. Yeah, so 91. What, what happens next? I mean, I, I know I know where what happens in 97, right? Yeah. So like get what happens in those six years before that? Well, uh, you know, I became an ensign uh in the Navy, uh, just like you know, everybody else does, either the Navy or the Marine Corps. And I chose to go into the supply corps, which is kind of the business mm -hmm. end of the Navy. Uh, but there, there were three different school start dates. Uh, supply school is down in Athens, Georgia. Uh, and I was able to pick the latest, which was December. And then I got uh, basically a temporary position with the athletic department at Navy, which meant I got to go be a rowing coach uh, for six months, which was, wow. yeah, it was, it, was, it was great. You know, you did, I taught um, PE classes, uh, you know, with, with the plebes and during plebe summer and such. But I had a chance to come back basically to the boathouse and I was like the assistant novice coach uh, with a woman named Wendy Lawrence who graduated in 81. Her father had been the superintendent, uh, Medal of Honor winner. Uh, he was amazing. She was amazing. She was getting ready to go to, uh, she was an aviator. She became an astronaut, uh, went up on the space shuttle a couple of times, uh, just, you know, super smart super passionate about what she did uh and so i had that opportunity right in the beginning to you know help out with people that actually saw me as a coach which was really neat you know because typically if you know you go back to the same boathouse you just graduated from uh it's a little bit harder to oh, yeah. to gain traction like that wow so you coach but then your your supply school and you basically spend the next what four or five years in the military right in, yeah in the, yep in the yeah, so you get you have a, a five year commitment after after you graduate, and uh, but during that that summer, my future husband came down from Penn uh, to take over the Navy Lights, and uh, so you know we start dating during my TAD, um, and I just got a chance, obviously, to like sit in his launch. He'd been coaching for quite a while, and uh, picked up a lot from him, and you know just. It was it was pretty much through my senior year that I really really fell in love with rowing, and uh, I remember thinking, "Oh, I'd love to be a coach," but then kind of coming up against that, "Oh yeah, but I'm going to be in the Navy," and and uh, just you know trying to to fit those together. But uh, Dale Hurley, who graduated a couple years ahead of me, uh, was a great mentor with with all of that. Uh, you know, he was on the the lightweight. Eight, I think most of the time, uh, you know, numerous, uh, numerous national teams. And then he came back uh, also to, to help coach. And uh, he was there that summer as well. And, and, and that was so instrumental to me. He was, we would train together. I would just try to keep up with him. Um, but he gave me a lot of pointers about kind of how you can do both. And uh, it's not easy, but I mean, I think that's that's perfect for rowers because, right? We we picked a sport that's not easy, and uh, it it you know it 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 wasn't easy, but it was a lot of fun. You know, rowing at the time that you so the five years that you're in the military, 
those five years rowing was like really growing in America, right? It was mm -hmm. like this, this growth path. Were you touching an oar at all in those times? Were you still connected somehow? I mean, your husband was, but like, I mean, yeah. maybe your boyfriend at the time, I don't know when you guys got married, but like, were you still at least connected to the sport while in the Navy in those five years? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I eventually got stationed down in Norfolk, Virginia, right after uh, supply school. Um, and then Mike and I got married maybe in October uh, of that year. So a year after I, I had graduated and uh, my folks had a thing uh, for, for marriages with, with my siblings. They, they just straight out gave, gave you like $5,000. You could figure out what you wanted to do. Uh, so I took the 5,000 and I bought a single and I uh, bought a best fully <laughs> single. And uh, yes. I just, <laughs> right? Come on, are you kidding me? Oh my God, look, I've been married now for nine years, 10 years. And I say this to everybody, forget the, forget the huge marriage, the, the big wedding, go do something. If your parents, if you're so lucky enough to have parents support you that way, yeah, go buy a house. You bought a boat. What kind of boat did I you I bought buy? a boat. I, so, so, you know, yeah, I got a Vespoli and, uh, you know, again, pre-internet days, I remember writing away to all the boat manufacturers to try to get literature, to figure out, you know, what I could afford and, and, and what I could do. And, and uh, yeah, I, I will say one of my siblings uh, had gotten married uh, roughly about the same time and then divorced like 18 months later. And she said to me once, she said, "Ugh, you did that so right. She goes, all I have is photographs that I can't show <laughs> and you still have a boat. And, and uh, yeah. And I so, so this is like late. Okay. So this is like 94, 93, right? So 94, like, somewhere in there. Was it a white, just a white Vespoli single? It was a white Vespoli single with a red deck. Oh, uh, oh I love that boat. Uh, you know, it was like, it was freedom. And, uh, you know, because I, I kind of taught myself how to skull. Uh, the Navy had this, this single in the boathouse. And uh, I remember that summer I was, I was stationed there. I went, I took it out uh, on the, 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 the rollers, the, the slings yeah. that roll. I took it out on the, the apron and I had always seen in the, the regattas that people would flip it up on top of their head. So, you know, Sunday morning and I take this thing, I'm gonna, you know, really do this and I flip it up on my head, but I, I don't realize that there's different weights to boats. And this, it must've been a big trainer. It was so heavy. And so then it crashed down on the stern and then I flipped my head back and it crashed on the bottom, like back and forth, I'm crashing this boat. I flip it back in, I'm, I'm crying at this point cause I, I don't even know what to do. I think wheel it back in and, and uh, decided to try another day, but, you know, kept coming back to it, bought my single, took it down to Norfolk, uh, Hampton Roads Rowing Club. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't say enough about them, but I, I found them when they were first starting out. It was a chain link fence enclosure. Uh, they had two old Navy fours that I had seat raced in. So I did not enjoy seeing those big heavyweight fours. Um, but I would go out, like I'd go out four in the morning, I think, you know, cause I had to be on my shift in a meeting by seven. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I just take it out in the darkness and I don't think I put lights. I don't know if lights were a thing back in those days, but, uh, yeah, you know, you just, you did what you could. And uh, so I would row when I could. And if I was stuck on my ship, I'd work out in a little weight room or whatever was available. I'd watch a lot of video, right? Back in the day, it's probably, it's before your day, Alex, but the big VCR tapes. <laughs> oh, stop. I had VCR tapes. I grew yeah, up. well, 
you probably I had world championship, right? Because that's what you could get. You could get world championship or the Olympics. And yeah, and if I if we were underway or I was, you know, stuck there for the night on duty, I would lock myself in my my office so it would look like I was working and I would watch video and just watch I would just watch good rowing. You know John to get you know John Van Carey, you know, you know John Van Carey, right? The, oh yeah, absolutely. So I call him coach. He's he's forever my coach. Uh, he's the only one I've ever called coach for till this day. And his first experience with us, he would show us these videos. Like at Marietta, when I was there for the one year, we were watching these old grainy, really crappy videos of like what looked to me like terrible rowing, right? Because a lot's changed at that time. Yep. Uh, so you and I were probably watching the same videos, not the same. Probably. Time. But they're definitely the same videos. Uh, yeah. All right. So I, you said something. You said you did what you could. I think that's uh, I think that's uh, synonymous to like every rower. You know, you just do what you could. So you're rowing up. You're rowing. You're rowing four in the morning. Now fast forward me to '97 when things started mm -hmm. to get serious on the national scale for you. Why did you want to be a national team rower? What was the spark? Well, I really liked the jacket. It's a right. Sweet jacket, right? I, it was a sweet jacket. That boathouse row jacket, like. Huh. I really like the jacket. Uh, and I and I always say I did it for the gear. Um, you know, there was just something and, and, and again, it was there was nothing in my college career that would ever say like, oh, you should try out for the national team like there's there's a future for you there. Th there was nothing in my college career uh, in that I ended up being a decent college rower. Uh, but nothing, nothing great, but I, I just loved being at the boathouse. I loved, I loved training. I loved to train and I found that that was just a really good place for me. But I, I grew up rowing wise, reading like us rowing. And I think it was USRA at that point, uh, they would put out like four, for those magazines a year and and I would devour them and it was like you would see pictures of like Tom Bohr or uh you know I'm trying to think of some of the others but but like that to me was the coolest thing ever like those were my heroes like looking at them and I don't even know why I thought I could maybe do it uh, well, but I remember saying, I want to jump in here. Forgive me. And yeah. it's, like, I, I'm doing the math, right? Like I'm running through the age and you're 27, you're 28 years old, right? You're, yeah. you're, it's not that you're old by any means, but like, you don't see a whole lot of people these days at that point in their career, right? It's usually 22. Uh, but there's another aspect of this, like Charlotte Buck, someone that we really care about deeply here at Rower's Choice. She was sort of an unknown rower in college. She, she made it her passion and she was in the women's eight this past year. Mm -hmm. um, like, I, I wanna, I guess I wanna emphasize the fact that there's so many athletes out there that could do this. You were an unknown rower in college. You didn't really have a good experience. You weren't winning national championships. You're 27, 28 years old. You clearly have the support financially, emotionally from somebody or your family to do this. Mm -hmm. um, like what, actually what actually made you do it though okay you have the heroes you say you can do it but like what was it what what made it happen at such a late time in your career well 
you mean like actually getting there and doing it? Yeah, um, like you know, like yeah. How do you how do you jump in and do it? Twenty eight years old. I, well, I, and I'll say because I was actually telling this to to somebody. I forget why we were talking about it, but you know, I was doing a lot of training on my own, either down at Navy or down at Norfolk, or I, I I would figure out a way to get stationed back up at Navy. But I was always in my single. I was always kind of alone. Uh, and then it was uh, probably in June of '95. Uh, I had gotten beat pretty badly up in Philadelphia. And, and it was bad enough that I, I got the courage to walk up to Dan Lyons, uh, who was oh. there because he had just taken over Potomac's yeah, yeah, yeah. colors. Yep. And I, and I introduced myself, you know, we had crossed paths before a little bit, uh, but I just said, I'm really tired of getting beat. And I, and I know I need to train with, with others and in order to get faster because uh, I was just stuck. And I said, can I come down to Potomac and, and train with, with, with your group? And, you know, Dan, Dan's like, sure, you know, but Potomac wasn't quite so sure. They were like, no, you can't bring your boat down here. No. Yeah. I mean, you know, Potomac, yeah, right? I mean, they're all great, but they like, nope, there's no room. So I would put my boat on top. I had a little white escort at the time and I would just leave it rigged. I'd put it up on my escort. I'd drive down to Thompson's Boat Club early in the morning. I would put in, I would go looking for them. I would sometimes find them, sometimes not. And I would just jump into the workout. And, uh, you know, as, and then I still remember, uh, so Christine Collins, who was, a, you know, a national theme lightweight at that point, phenomenal, ended up winning, what, silver or gold in 2000. Uh, I just remember she was just a really small person in a single who could just, just beat me so badly. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so slow. Uh, but, but it was, you know, it was getting into that mix and, yeah. and feeling kind of a stomach ache every day I went down there. Cause it was going to be such a challenge to keep up. Um, and that's where I started, you know, gaining traction and Dan, again, uh, you know, I had the most amazing coaches, uh, you know, I, I could look back at my career, you know, I had Dan, I rode for Ted Nash. I rode for Al Rosenberg. Uh, you know, it was just phenomenal. The people that, that I kind of just like lucked into, uh, to help guide me. Uh, but you know Dan, so can I just say, you know, it's so sad. The three names you just put out there, Nash, Rosenberg, Lions are some of top 25 all time coaches in America, all time. And no one at the high school level rowing right now or collegiate level know who they are, right? They don't yep. know the history of these men. They don't know what they've done for our sport. Uh, and I want to point something out too. Our sport is so unique. You can't go to the 76ers arena, jump in and start practicing with the NBA. But you, you're like, hey, I got this idea. I'm going to throw this boat in this community area and I'm going to just go catch up and find them. That yeah. is a really cool story. I mean, that is, yeah. that is like, I just, I want to point that out. Uh, and the three people that, you were with at the time, these, these, these people are, they just know what they're doing. So you clearly absorbed a lot of knowledge. Um, yeah. Okay. So 97 though, walk me through this, uh, this, this national team experience. So yeah. what happens joining the team? What, what, ha what happened? Yep. So, so 97, again, kind of pivotal for us. Uh, we had gotten speed. I was in a double uh, with Olwyn Huxley. Uh, you know, we. You were with Olwyn Huxley? I was with Olwyn. Yeah. Ah, I right. No. Yo, yep, oh, I know. Yeah, huge fan, huge fan, huge fan. 
Absolutely, right? Olwen is amazing. And so Dan kept, when I was at Potomac, he kept trying to get the two of us together in the double, but she had a partner, I had a partner, right? It's kind of like a marriage, right? In a double. It is. Uh, and you know, it's a funny story where at, at Independence Day, her doubles partner can't make it, mine can't. So Dan is like, okay, he puts us together. Uh, I'm stroking the boat, she's the, she's the bow. Um, but we go, and again, this is club rowing. We go to the trailer to get the boat, the, the Felipe, the Potomac Gale, which was the best boat we had. And somebody had already taken it, right? Cause we were always fighting around with like the groom brothers about who got the boat. And uh, so there's no boat. And, um, but this is where like Olwen's amazing. Because yeah. I'm like, oh, there's no boat. I guess we can't race. And she was like, oh, no, let's go find Cleet. And we go down and we find Cleet Graham. He's down there in the dock. And she goes, Cleet, we don't have a boat. Do you, do you, can you help us find a boat? And Cleet's like, well, and, you know, some masters is coming in with a double. And he was like, hey, can, can these young women row your boat? And they're like, well, and he's like, well, this is Mike Hughes's wife. And they're like, oh, sure. You know, and we, we jump into this old Schoenbrot or Dorigo or something. Uh, and we go up against what turns out to be pretty much the women that Ted Nash puts in that challenge eight that he did in 97. Oh. Uh, we go up and we beat him and we're like, oh, we've got some speed. Dan must be right. And uh, so we train and then we ended up in 97 <clears throat> with Ted Nash in that group. So we trained alongside that eight. Uh, so the eight, the eight would go out. Uh, I forget the name of the boys. Uh, they're identical twin boys in the double. Um, they raced, they, they trained with us. And then we were, we were in the double. Um, and of course, you know, Ted's amazing. So we go through all that, that, that training with, with Ted, uh, which still amazing, right? What, what he put people through, uh, but he could make you pretty fast. And so we went down, went down to trials and ended up, ended up winning. Uh, again, I really have to put so much credit for Olwen. Uh, she's an amazing tactician, uh, but we went into that race. It, it, they just kind of started with the best two out of three uh, at that point after the 96 trials or something like that. And uh, we really wanted to win that first one. So the race plan, Olwyn's race plan was if we got to 700 and we were down, we would sprint. And <laughs> I was like, okay, I mean, she, uh, you know, you think sometimes I think in, in these things that the stroke is in charge, but Olwen was always in charge of the boat. I just did what she told me to do. Uh, and so we're, we're coming to 700, we're down. And all I can think is that I hope Olwen has forgotten the plan. And <laughs> we just, we crossed through 700 and she doesn't make a call. And I think, oh good, she's, she's, she's forgotten. And then she just says to me, sprint. And we did. I'm getting goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps. Uh... And yeah. Listen, Olin but, but and I... was great that way. Again, I'll tell you, one of the things she did in 96, we were racing the two Olympic doubles, the heavies and the lights at nationals. Uh, and we were, we were neck and neck with the lights. The, uh, the, the, the heavy double was a little bit above us. And Olin calls for a power 10 really loud. And, you know, Olin can be really loud. Mm -hmm. And she calls for the power 10 and we're, we're, we're in adjacent lanes. And then under her breath, she says, hold for 20 Woo. and it was perfect it was because the lights went right up with us and then they came down they ended up they ended up beating us by about a second right but i mean just she rowing with Olwen was was just an amazing experience oh man i love that like hold for 20 oh my yeah God. you know every yeah. rower listening to this wants to jump in a boat right now and race like hearing that like you know power 10 it's like the coxswain calling bow ball but like i'm mm -hmm. one more 
Give me more. Give yeah. me more. Uh, yeah. I've known Owen since 2009 is when I became a member of Atomic and mm -hmm. she brought me under her wing. I mean, she's just like such a cool person. And we went to mm -hmm. Masters Nationals together and, you know, like we had our beers on the, by the water and, and I've, I've known her for a very long time. Um, I'm going to email her as soon as we get off of this, because I need to tell her this little story. Um, yeah. So your husband, like, so you're, this is like 97, 98. Um, I, and I don't know this, like, do you have children? Like, do you have, do you have children? Yeah. You do. So I've got four. You have yeah. four kids. So like at what point do you start having children and like, you know, living that yeah. part of your life? Well, yeah. And so it's interesting, right? Cause this whole time through all of this, Mike is at the Navy boathouse and, 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 and we're kind of headquartered at Navy. I'm coming in and out, either training or or being at, being with Navy or whatever. But as he's coaching, I'm coaching alongside him, which was really neat. So I could just pop in and kind of be the, a volunteer assistant coach who was there sometimes. Uh, so when he coached the lightweights, uh, I got a chance to learn what lightweight rowing was like. Then he moved over to the plebe heavies. And that was so much fun, these big, gigantic puppy dogs, you know, six foot six, 18 year olds and the nicest kids ever. Uh, and you could just put them through these big workouts and I'm training at the same time. So it's really cool. Like I can train alongside these big guys and, uh, and then he eventually takes over the women's team. And, and so, you know, then, then I switch over. So like kind of weirdly, I get all, a lot of different coaching experience without actually having a coaching job. Um, but I'm also training. So I'm, I, I'm kind of in both worlds. Yeah. Um, even I remember at Pan Am games, uh, I can't remember Steve's last Steve Peterson, you know, who's with Indiana now and had been GW. Uh, mm. he's one of the coaches and, and we, it's like 45 minutes from the dorms to the place. And he finally just flips me the keys. He goes, you're a coach, you can drive, but you know, so I always felt like I kind of had a foot in both worlds. And mm. I was like, you pointed out, I was older. You know, so everyone I was rowing with was, you know, probably like four years younger than I was just because of, of the way the whole, the whole Navy thing worked. What a lucky person. I mean, you're absorbing all of this opportunity around you. I mean, you're seeing mm -hmm. how, and, and not even like a slow program, like Navy is legit, like at all yeah. levels. So like you're watching some of the best in the country, right? And you're there, you're yeah. around, I'm sure you're talking about rowing with your husband and you're. You know, like when you when you have two rowers that come together and that stay together, man, like it obviously rowing takes over your entire, you know, life. Yeah. It's, it's, it's your world. So so, um, you know, OK, so there's a huge gap between like 2000 and today. Right. You're talking 22 yeah. years. Now let's get into your coaching career. So what happens now? You, you, you finish the national team. You're starting to have kids. You're building a family. What are you doing? Where are you coaching? Yeah, well, I really wasn't then. It, it was interesting. So Olwyn and I were training for 2000, uh, but we, uh, you know, it, it wasn't going to happen. And, uh, you know, I think we both sensed it. And it was like uh, April, maybe April of 2000, uh, that we stopped training together. And that, you know, I was coaching at Navy. I was uh, the assistant women's coach. And that's when we I started having kids like I, uh, with Grace. She was born in 2001. Uh, I'm not a very good rowing coach in planning my children because they are all born during spring break. 
Uh, that's not when you're supposed to have them. You're supposed to have them right in like November, December. Uh, so I had to kind of sit that that last season out in the spring because I had a newborn. And then in August, I realized I, I couldn't do both. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I the emotional energy that I think as a coach that we pour into our into our athletes, into our program uh, is immense. Right. And for me, if I was going to do it well, it was just it was everything I had. And I realized that it that was either going to go to the team or it was going to go to, you know, Grace or everybody was going to get less than they deserved. And uh, so I stepped away. Um, that was 2001. And I didn't start officially coaching college until 2015. Um, but we, we had a summer camp at Navy, uh, yeah. one of the first, right? And I mean, that was an amazing experience. I didn't even realize what I was doing was I was maintaining and growing connections across the, 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 the coaching world just by hiring different coaches, hiring uh, like my assistant today. I hired her as uh, she just finished, I think, her freshman year at Indiana, uh, and she was a counselor for the camp. And she was a local kid who had found rowing out in Indiana. Um, and now she's my assistant coach. Like when I got back into rowing, I thought, or coaching, I thought I was going to have to like try to make up for all this lost time. But I mean, everybody just looked a little bit older, but it was all the same people that I had been, you know, working with, you know, cause I would come in with the kids with the camp just trying to make sure everything was, was going, you know, coaches, my husband tends to tell a lot of stories. And so I would get in like, eh, coaches get over with the kids, you know, we got to get moving and, um, and just, you know, still be maintaining that, that really strong connection and then getting into master's coaching. That was, that's been incredible um, with the Annapolis rowing club. Uh, I started with them. I had been coaching with them uh, before I had kids. And then I stopped when I, the, the twins were born in, 2005. And then I picked them probably up again, maybe about three years later. And so I just was always coaching somebody. Um, was and then Bob I used to, Biddle, uh, Bob Biddle was there obviously, right? Were oh yeah. I Bob coach. Biddle? Yep. Bob and I are together every Tuesday morning. Uh, I'm still coaching with Bob. So, well, so um, funny enough. So my wife, Emily uh, Del Sordo is signing up for uh, Annapolis to be like to row with you guys. Uh, we were talking I've about coached Emily. Yeah, I coached yeah. Emily last year. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah. She 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 has. She's one of those. She'll just go hard. Yep. I know. I hate it. I hate it. She just goes. She just goes hard. Our actually, our first daughter is also named Grace. By the way, we named our oh, that's first wonderful. daughter Grace. I I I highlighted that. I circled it. Um, Okay, so you start coaching in 2000, like officially coaching collegiate level in 2015. This is where you're at Washington College, right? You yes. just go, you go right there. Um, and I think you get the head coaching job, what, in 2016, 2017? Yeah, one year. Uh, one year. So, so Mike Davenport was there, yeah. uh, had been there, gosh, I think when he retired, it was 26 years. Yeah, it was almost I mean, forever, like forever. Yeah, you know, and again, just one of those names, like, you know, and, and we knew Mike from, you know, he, he worked the rowing camp with us for years. And, you know, Mike's got fingers and all sorts of different pots. You know, he writes, he lectures, he works for U.S. Rowing. I mean, you know, Mike does everything. Um, and we, I had always said to my husband, you know, Mike, I said, gee, that Washington College job ever opens up, you should really look at that. You know, mm -hmm. that would be, 
that'd be really cool. You know, yeah. it's, it's a great program. And, uh, you know, I think uh, division three has always spoken to me. I think when I wrote at Navy, it was much more like a division three back before everything went NCAA. And, uh, and then funny thing was, you know, the Mike advertised on road 2k, my Mike retired uh, in 2015, which is why I started looking like, oh, now that he's retired, I could go back to coaching. Um, and I think like he retired on a Wednesday and then Thursday on road 2k, the, the position for the Washington college job opened up. And, uh, yeah, I called Mike, uh, hadn't seen him in a number of years and went out to the college and, uh, you know, loved it. The athletic director showed me the plans for the new boathouse. Uh, it was great. I went back, we were, uh, running the, the, the rowing camp at Navy and, and Karen Saunders, who's been at Washington college for 20 years. She was like, what do you think? what do you think? I was like, oh man, it's, it's amazing. I was like, and the athletic director showed me the plans for the new boathouse. And she's like, oh. Yeah, they showed that to me uh, 14 years ago when I took the job, you know. Uh, so it, it had been in the works for a long time. But, uh, you know, I think my timing was, was, was great because I think two years into my time at Washington College, it was built. And uh, yeah. oh, we have an amazing, amazing training facility, um, which is interesting, too, because we as coaches, we all wanted to put boats in our boathouse, our new boathouse. But the, uh, the college and the architects had a different plan. And. So we kept the old boathouse to oh, keep yeah. all the shells and everything. Um, but, you know, I think it, it, it shows too about how you look at things because I just was frustrated and kind of, you know, grumbly, grumbly about that. And we had a recruit come in one, one time and they looked at it and they were like, wow, you all have two boathouses. Mm. I've never been to a program that has two boathouses. And I was like, that was a huge, that was a huge thing for me that I keep trying to now give to the athletes. Like, you you know both are true you know we have a boathouse that has no boats but we have two boathouses like we it's it's pretty good so it's it's really you know we we talk a lot about how you look at things or or really especially before the pandemic i would always say to the athletes it's not what happens that it's important it's what we do with what happens and i used to talk to them about like your life can change on a dime and i was thinking more you know just kind of like catastrophic, like, you know, as we all know, especially as parents, things can, can ch change overnight. And, uh, and then the pandemic happened and, and that was huge because then we really were able to put into play with our, our team and our athletes, exactly what we'd been talking about, right? This had happened, but what was really going to be important is how we handled this. Uh, and, and they handled it really well. So you, you live in Annapolis, like you live in Annapolis, and you commute I do. minutes every day up to that yep. house. about 50 minutes, right? All, all told, 52. It's about 52. Because I, I, I really exactly am not, I'm not a speed. I'm not speedy. I, uh, I'm too old now to speed. I, <laughs> I, I drive. I drive the speed limit almost. So this, you know, people. I think most rowers know Washington College, right? And and mm -hmm. sometimes you say Washington College, they think Seattle, right? They think all the way out there. I'm sure that gets confused a bunch of times. Um, oh yeah. It's a it's a small school in a beautiful part of the country. Eastern Shore of Maryland is absolutely stunning, but you know it's a it's a like I said it's a small program and it gets confused by a lot. What do you say to the people that are applying for 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 college and looking to row there? Like why why would you row at Washington College? What what makes that team and that environment just so different and special? 
Mm -hmm. Well, you're right. Number one, it's, it's, it's such a beautiful area. Uh, more importantly for us, the river is amazing, right? So we have this amazing facility uh, with our ergometers and, and, and everything, the ability to train, uh, you know, in climate controlled. So, you know, Maryland can get pretty warm and pretty cold. And so we're able to, to really train well when we're not allowed on the, we're not able to get on the water, but it is, you know, and, it's the, and this is not a recruiting pitch, but it is the best water as a coach or an athlete I've ever been on. Uh, it's wide, but not too wide. Uh, it's, it's got a 90 degree bend to it. So, you know, if you've got a, a, a Northwest, uh, or a North wind, you can just, if you can sneak down on the side, you can get over to where it's glass. Um, but you know, and again, and I think we're not any different than any other division three program, but division three to me, um, there's so much opportunity for that student who's looking for a really competitive athletic experience, but also wants to have a really strong and distinctive collegiate experience. Uh, so, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, that we have going for us is an amazing coaching staff. I mean, we've got Karen Saunders who rode for Kevin Sauer out in Virginia, uh, and she's been with us for 20 some years. Uh, Lauren Shaw, who won a national championship down with Nova Southeastern when she was coach, uh, rowing. Um, Ashley Genovich, who, you know, was Miami and Marist, and uh, she's our coxswain coach. Uh, and, and, you know, just to, to have, you know, four or five coaches uh, on a program our size, we're able to give so much individual attention uh, to athletes and, uh, really be able to go out and train well, compete well, but also have that balance in their lives where they can come in, they can do the work and then, you know, they can go and they can go study abroad, you know, love it when kids go study abroad because they always come back better. It's, it's a lot like to me when I left Stanford and came back to Navy, like, when they leave for that semester, they're always afraid they're gonna be behind or this or that, but they come back with like almost a renewed passion. And they just they just really usually make a big, big statement in the spring spring semester. Wow. Now you said, uh, so back in 2016, when your husband retired, like what's what's he up to these days? Like what what is, uh, is he's watching you find success at, at uh, Washington College. Does he have the itch? Is he yep. coming again? He's not, he's, he's, um, so he was a beach patrol guy, uh, up in Atlantic city and, uh, did all that. So, uh, I think for the last 25 years, he's been writing his book about the beach patrol. Uh, but he's doing that, but, but he's a great one. Like I'll be driving my 52 minutes, uh, home, uh, and, and, and I'll call him, you know, like, oh, this is happening or, oh, that's happening. Or what do you think about this? Or, uh, you know, again, it's just this great resource. Like, like I think we all do as coaches, right? We reach out uh, to our mentors uh, or to our friends who are coaching. And, uh, you know, we just really talk about, you know, what would you do in this situation? Or why do you think this is happening? Um, but, you know, have, 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 you know, a really good conversation or, you know, looking at video, uh, you know, that we take and uh, what do you think about this? And, um, you're very lucky to have, you're lucky to have a partner like that um now this uh it was saturday you were at dad bales and you're at dad bales 
Tell me about that success. What happened? Give me give me the rundown of the of what happened at Dadville's this past weekend. So a uh, lot of rain, right? Uh, it was. It was. Te- I was there. It was terrible on Saturday. It oh. was a lot of rain, but you know, it was flat water. So uh, this was the first time that we've been up to the Schuylkill this year, where it's been it's been beautiful from start to finish as far as the water conditions. And uh, you know, I'll tell you what the we were, we were able to boat we we had a a, a case of, uh, of i guess we had three cases of covid prior to that we got shut down for a few days which is what what the college does and uh one of our coxswains uh you know went down and and, and she didn't have enough time to go through the return to play to actually coxswain and and so we had this this third varsity four uh that had been you know practicing and but you know like like any third varsity it's those are hard years, right? Because you're you're in, yeah. you're out. Yes. If 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 there's a shortage, your boat doesn't go out. You're back on land. You know these these athletes had put a lot of time in, into the erg, and and they were finally you know looking at dad veils. And um, you know it was interesting because I didn't have a coxswain for that boat, and I didn't know what we were gonna do. And uh, but I think you know it's kind of this is what we do as 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 athletes this is what we do as rowers right we just keep going and and we figure the next step it not that it'll take care of itself but we'll figure it out so like we're 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 de-rigging the boat we're doing like I'm having them put it on and everything and I'm thinking I don't even think they're going to be able to race it but I'm trying to figure out everything I even reach out and I've got to give a shout out to John Leonard who is running the dad veil right like the night before the dad veil I'm typing out an email to him asking if we could do the substitution and I figure he's not even going to respond. Like he yeah. must be getting so many, right. And, and they're trying to figure out dad bails again. He emails me back within 20 minutes. And he said, well, if you'd like to try to hot seat, and then he gives me this idea. So after spending a whole day of reaching out and figuring things out, working with the men's coach, who was really good on the Washington college side, the answer came, you know, and it was probably like 11 o'clock at night. And uh, so we were able to get this crew out and, they had three of their best races ever, right? And they're not winning, they're not going to win the gold medal. They're not in contention to do these things. But I remember I finally got a chance to bike with them because I always like to bike with my crews. But again, it's the third boat. So if, if there was a time difference, I was going to go with the second boat or the first boat. But I was able to go with the third boat. And I was just so amazed by how hard they pulled and how well they raced, you know. And it was so neat too. There was a, a senior in that boat who didn't get a chance to row the veils as a freshman, but she still showed up to support the team when she was a oh. freshman. And she wanted, she said, the next time I'm, I'm here, I'm going to be rowing. So I want to get the, you know, I want to know the area, you know, I mean, to see her finish off her career was amazing. Um, our second boat, you know, was rowing up with the first boats and, and they're just such a spunky crew. Like it didn't matter who you put in their boat. They figured it out within, uh, you know, minutes and they would go fast and have a lot of fun. And uh, our first boat, you know, I, I will say I've never had a problem with a boat rowing too high, but they were so aggressive. They would just keep going out at a 38 and uh, they would end up paying for it in the second half. But but man, they would always go hard. And uh, they ended up coming in second to Bryn Mawr. Uh, and, and again, hats off to, to Carol Bauer. What a way to end her, her coaching career. Uh, that was her last her last crew in their last race. And they, they brought home a dad bail uh, championship for her. Um, of course, I would have really liked our ball, bow ball to be ahead of their bow ball. Um, but, um, 
you know, I think, you know, certainly a silver medal at the dad veil is, is a great thing. Uh, but I also, the, one of the things I really love about, about the crew and the team that we have, and, and I, you know, I really like to think the culture that we, we keep breeding is they want more, right? And so our talk at the end was, you know, what does the summer look like? What is this, you know, how does all of this lead to more speed and more success next year? And I think that's such a huge lesson that rowing can really encapsulate is that, I think for most of us as coaches and, and, and rowers, we point to like those hard times, those, those times we came up not where we wanted, we come up short that eventually lead, led us to our success, success. Like when I got beat on the Schuylkill in June of 95, that led me to Dan Lyons. Dan Lyons led me to Ted Nash. Ted Nash led, led me to Al Rosenberg. I got, you know, the team, I made the Pan Am team. Like all of those things happen because of those failures and how much it hurt and how much you you learn from it and how much it drives you forward. You know, I, that's like a mic drop moment, Carrie. I can't, I can't follow up with that. That was perfect. You know, we learned, I learned so much about you uh, from the Stanford days growing up in, in Iowa to being on the Navy and then the PBC stories Carrie, your career is fantastic. I loved every minute of this. And I hope that every coach and athlete listening to this also learned quite a bit. You know, it's, it's a story of perseverance. It's a story about failures and then future successes. I wish you all the luck at Washington. I cannot wait to see what happens next year. Uh, and I know that you'll have a good time coaching my wife in the mornings on Tuesdays. So Carrie. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you. I so appreciate the opportunity. I was thrilled when I got the email. I was like, oh, wow, somebody wants to interview me. This is, <laughs> I've made the big time. This is great. So, so yeah, thank you, Alex. You're welcome. And that was number 97 of a podcast. We have more coming. All right. We have three more to the number 100. I can't wait to see where this all goes. Everyone tuning in and listening and watching. There is a ton of information about Washington College, not on the West Coast, but in the East Coast, in Chestertown, a little small area on the Eastern Shore. If you want to learn more about Carrie, there's links in the bio here.